Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me, Emilio. That's Emilio. On this episode, we are going to continue our series where we discuss the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. This time, though, we're taking a slightly different approach than we have in the past taking on one of uh, college basketball's historic teams. And we're going to approach it in, uh, in the manner of uh, looking at our starting lineup and then filling out our bench from spots 6 through 12. On this episode, you'll know if you check the uh, title of the episode, we're going to be talking about Ohio State. So we're going to uh, get started with the starting lineup here, uh, starting at center, followed by power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. <laughs> Without further ado, Mills, let's uh, dig into the Ohio State players at center. Who you got? Neil Johnston? Yeah, let's talk about Neil Johnston. This guy is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, six-time All-Star Hall of Famer, three-time scoring champ, rebound champ, 54-55, um, uh, uh, NBA champ, 55-56, and five-time All-NBA. Yeah, won a championship with the uh, Philadelphia Warriors in uh, 55-56, as you mentioned. And a uh, guy could really fill it up. I mean, didn't play for that long in the NBA. Finished his career at age 29 after, uh, what was that, eight seasons? Yeah. But um, really, really strong player. I mean, led the league in scoring three consecutive years. Yeah, and also led the league in rebounds one year, like I said. But led the league in field goal percentage three times. And led the league in minutes played two times. Yeah, I mean, in, in those years, I mean, averaging upwards of 45 minutes a game. So, I mean, guy basically didn't come off the court, I mean, in those seasons with the Philadelphia Warriors. Now, I know we were watching a little bit of uh, video of um, Neil Johnston earlier. Anything stand out about his game? I mean, obviously, this is a guy who was playing in a totally different NBA than we've seen in more recent years. Uh, I mean, no three-point line, for instance. I mean, spacing was really different. I mean, yeah. you know, just in, in, in terms of how his game looked. I mean, this guy was a uh, 6'8", 210 uh, center. center. So, and, and he was he looked he was really big for his time. I mean, relative to the competition. So, I mean, th that alone should give you a good sense of uh, you know if a guy who was who was that kind that kind of stature was able to dominate in the way that he was. Uh, obviously, a very very different and league. Then, and then he totally fell off when Bill Russell came in. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I, I think experienced. Uh, you know. The issues that a lot of NBA big men did, as uh, as as like the new breed of, of NBA uh, dominators came into play in the uh, in the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, I had Neil Johnston as my uh, as my center as well. I mean, this guy has you know numbers. I mean, rate stats that hold up extremely well all time. I mean, fifth all time in win shares per forty eight minutes, eleventh in PER. I mean, really, really impressive for as long as it lasted. And like you said, uh, you know, won that one title. And uh, you know, five team All NBA, uh, five team, five time first team All NBA is pretty impressive. Um, let's uh, let, let's move on here to the power forward. Who'd you have there, Bills? I had Jerry Lucas. I know you had him too. I did have Jerry Lucas. This guy also a Hall of Famer. I mean, and, and really remarkable credentials. Why don't you run those down for us, bud? Hall of Famer, seven time All Star, NBA champ, five, five time All NBA, All Rookie Team, uh, All Star Game MVP, and Rookie of the Year. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, Jerry Lucas, well known for, uh, I mean, kind of operating in, in a similar capacity to uh, to Neil Johnston. I mean, really a physically dominant player, 
same kind of size too. I mean, six, eight as well. I mean, a little bit heavier at, at 230 pounds, looked a little bit uh, more uh, muscular uh, than, than uh, Neil Johnson, I would say, just from the little bit we were able to see on video. But a, a guy who like, I mean, really controlled the uh, basket area, but also could shoot it a little bit from what oh, we yeah. could see. I mean, he played for a long time, right? Yeah. Played for, a while. played for a long time, shot, uh, you know, really well from the field. I mean, almost 50%, which uh, for the era in which he played was really terrific. It came along, you know, a bit later than uh, than the likes of Neil Johnston. I mean, he was kind of that next wave of uh, athletic NBA big that kind of replaced yeah. the likes of Neil Johnston. And, uh, you know, you could see watching uh, watching video of him, I mean, now as uh, far back yeah. as it is. Guy could really throw an outlet pass. I mean, you know, could, could, do, a, could do a whole bunch of things on the court. I mean, he averaged 20. 20, 20 rebounds or more a game and two years in a row. So like, and it still wasn't the most in the league. Probably Bill Russell was like something ridiculous. But exactly, I mean, Bill Russell was posting those uh, you know twenty plus uh, uh, rebounds per game averages uh, during that period. But you know, an All Star, what six consecutive years there with the uh, with the Cincinnati Royals, and uh, you know, averaged seventeen points per game and fifteen point six rebounds per game for his career over 829 regular season games. I mean, really, really impressive stuff from uh, from Jerry Lucas and uh, part of uh, championship team as well. Yes. On, uh, I know you mentioned that, and I mean, his uh, nickname's pretty uh, notable as well. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Memory, Luke, Dr. Memory, and the computer. Yeah, known for his, uh, for his uh, towering intellect. And uh, sorry, I cut you off there. You were mentioning that he was he won the championship with uh, with the Knicks team in 72-73. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, towards the end of his career, but, uh, you know, definitely a memorable team in, uh, in NBA history and certainly in, in an important one in Knicks history. Well, let's, uh, let, let's move on to uh, to the three here, Mills. Who do you have at the three? I have John Havlicek. One of the all-time greats. Hondo, an eight-time champion. Tell us a little bit about John Havlicek. Three-time All-Star, eight-time champion, eight-time All-Defense, 11-time All-NBA, All-Rookie Team and Finals MVP. And he's my grandma's favorite player. So, Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting note there. What is it that uh, that uh, your grandmother, my uh, mother-in-law, likes so much about, uh, about John Havlicek? Have you guys talked about any part of his game, any any aspect or that, that no, she remembers? she just grew up in Boston. She was growing up in Celtics, so... Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a, a super appealing and super, super successful player with the Celtics. I mean, what, what can you tell us about uh, John Havlicek from having, you know, taken in some of the information about his career, some of the video? I mean, this guy, obviously an all-star so many years in a row and just a, a dominating player. Yeah, um, 24.8 points per game for his career. I mean, 36.6 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly, really substantial, and you know, reaching up into that you know forty-five minute per game territory at his uh, at his max, but you know, several seasons above forty minutes per game, logging a lot of minutes, and obviously, I mean, a part of so many successful you know championship winning Celtics teams. Yeah. Um, any any additional comments about uh, John Havlicek? I mean, this guy won the title, uh, what six out of his first seven years in the league? Pretty outrageous. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the uh, the number seven overall pick in that 1962 uh, NBA draft. Is actually uh, dead? Yeah, unfortunately, John Havlicek uh, passed away uh, back in April of uh, 2019. We're sorry to uh, sorry to say, but uh, yeah, I mean, inducted into the Hall of Fame in uh, 1984, so got a, got got a good long time uh, to enjoy his uh, his Hall of Fame status uh, before his untimely demise uh, back in 2019. Uh, so he, of course, made my team as well. I put him at the two, however. I think yeah. 
easily could have put him at the three. Uh, but I had him at the two, just given his, his size, I feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe like fit a little bit better on this squad at the two. But um, let, let's move on to, to uh, your choice. Or we should do, actually do my my, uh, my three, right? Michael Red. Yeah. Yeah, I chose Michael Red. I, I did. I mean, a more contemporary player, obviously, than the guys we've been discussing so far. The guy yeah. who was a second-round pick uh, back in the 2000 NBA draft out of Ohio State, a Columbus, Ohio native. And uh, man, this guy could really fill it up. Yeah, I don't agree with you with that. You, you don't agree with me having him on the uh, on the first team here? Yeah. Well, we can get into uh, into your choice momentarily, but let's talk a little bit about Michael Red right now. Yeah, I mean, he's solid. I mean, solid. He averaged twenty points a game for a bunch of seasons. Yeah, yeah I mean, he was good. Uh, yeah, I think he, he was he was a really, really smooth scorer. I mean, uh, you know, an impressive athlete early in his career. But, I mean, you know, one of these guys who was a second-round pick took a little while to get going. I mean, you know, didn't really earn the earn the trust of, uh, of, of the Bucks coaching staff until uh, he was really in his, you know, second and third year. I mean, you know, he played just six games his first season. I mean, suffering through some, uh, through some injuries and didn't really become a regular starter until his uh, fourth season in the league. And of course, he was an all-star that year, scoring over twenty points per game, hanging around with the Bucks, uh, you know, signing a big free agent contract. Then with he them. Was started for like the rest of his career. Yeah, then he until started like for a long end. time. Exactly until he until he broke down with injuries uh, late. But I mean, just uh, a really really uh, enjoyable shooter to watch. I mean, really smooth lefty release, beautiful to watch, and uh, you know, hit a hit a whole lot of shots. I mean, uh, you know, really quick trigger. And, uh, you know, got up to uh, being as, you know, scoring as many points as uh, 25.4 and 26.7 points per game 44%. at his peak. 44% shooter for his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that understates it a little bit. I mean, a 38% shooter from three on 4.4 uh, attempts per game. I mean, I think obviously you'd love if that number were higher. I mean, it was during uh, his peak where he was up, you know, over five uh, attempts per game. But, um yeah, really, really good player, and I think uh, you know higher quality guy than uh, than I think the guy you're I, in, in my opinion that I think the guy you're going to have in this spot. But uh, let's get to him now. We've got Mills. Well, actually, had John Havlicek in this spot. You had John Havlicek at shooting guard, right? Yeah, I had John Havlicek at <laughs> shooting guard. So I was asking you about your shooting guard, having covered my small forward with Michael Red. So now your shooting guard is Jim Jack. All right, so let's talk a little bit about him. Um. Yeah, I think he was a good player. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, cer certainly a good player. I mean, hung around for quite some time after being taken in the uh, 92 draft, uh, number four overall uh, out of Ohio State, of course. Uh, pretty classic uh, nickname, according to uh, Basketball Reference. Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, just like classic Jim nickname. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know. Long career. Useful contributor, long career, played in a lot of places. I mean, this guy really got around. <laughs> you know, there was uh, counting up how many teams Jim Jackson played on. Really, uh, I mean, after twelve, so, yeah, after yeah, twelve teams. I mean, after starting his career with uh, several seasons in Dallas, after uh, as I mentioned, being taken there high in the first round and, and playing a ton with the, with the Mavericks on on, on uh, those burgeoning Mavericks teams with uh, Jason Kidd and Jamal Mashburn that never really got to uh, the level of contention, but uh, were exciting all the same, and and you know certainly featured uh, some uh, really. Up-and-coming uh, young players, Jim Jackson, really peaking in that third season, averaging uh, 25.7 points per game. I mean, that's uh, that's a lot of points as a 24-year-old. Yes. As, as Never really hit those heights again, but 
very useful contributor for an extended period of time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jim Jackson, notably, I, I thought, I mean, you know, looking back on his career after all this time, never, never an all-star. Got to, got to be one of the the better players. I mean, oh. he's actually joined by another one coming up on this list. Also not an all-star, but uh, got to be one of the better players who never made an all-star team. Yeah, and this one, the one, the next one I know is one of, I know you just said, but like he's known as not being an all-star and being a very good player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and we're transitioning there to uh, the point guard on both of our lists. and uh, Mike Conley. That's Mike Conley, yeah. Mike Conley, uh, never an all-star, but a really, really good player. Yeah, and all, he made an all-defense team. Yep. And he wasn't on the all-rookie team. Yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to believe, but I mean, you know, there's only spots for I guess two point guards on the uh, on the all rookie team each year. But uh, tell us a little bit about Mike Conley. I mean, certainly a really accomplished player and a guy who's making noise right now. Yeah, um, yeah, um, fourteen point nine points per game for his career so far, and I think he's still got some more seasons. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's thirty two right now, but I, I mean. I'm, uh, I think he's looked pretty rejuvenated coming back from the uh, from the restart. I know he just uh, sat out a couple of games at the beginning of the playoffs here due to the birth of his child, but uh, has, has looked really good coming back. I mean, you know, and in the midst of, uh, of a run with the Jazz team that looks pretty explosive right now. I mean, yeah. at, at 32 years old, I mean, I think he's under contract for uh, another season after this one. So can have an opportunity to continue to play with a talented group there in Utah. I know, I mean, beloved in, in Memphis for, uh, you know, his, his many years there. I mean, 12 seasons with the Grizzlies after uh, having been drafted uh, by them back in uh, 2007 with the fourth overall pick. Went to uh, Ohio State famously with a guy who we'll uh, probably mention later, a guy who was taken number one overall, high school teammate of Mike Conley's, uh, Greg Oden. Yeah, I mean, the two of them uh, came into uh, the NBA that same season. And uh, obviously uh, went in different directions from there. But I mean, KD was number two and Al Horford was number three. Greg Oden, number one, and Mike Conley, number four. Yeah. So, I mean, th that was, you know, pretty, pretty amazing uh, time for Ohio State right there with those two guys uh, having come in and being taken so high in the draft. Uh, Mike Conley, yeah. I mean, really, really solid NBA player for an extended period of time. You think there's any chance that a player like this would be worthy of the uh, the Hall of Fame without the uh, you know kind of All Star level accolades, without the uh, All NBA team appearances? I actually do. Yeah, I think that there's an argument, right? I mean, like he's played you know 835 career games. I mean, maybe he goes on another couple of deep playoff runs with uh, with the Jazz, or maybe he you know, won the title. You never know. Exactly. I mean, I think that there's there's a path for uh, for the likes of, of Mike Conley. Maybe he'll uh, join his uh, longtime teammate Marc Gasol. The Hatter King as uh, as an NBA champion at some point in the future. I don't know if it's going to happen this year with the Jazz, but uh, maybe you know you never know. They've looked pretty good. Uh, they, they definitely have. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been extremely explosive. All right, so uh, let's uh, let, let's take a quick break, uh, having covered our, uh, our our starters here for Ohio State. But let's first uh, just go over them one more time. Okay, um, center Neil Johnston, power forward Jerry Lucas, small forward John Havlicek, shooting guard Drew Jackson, point guard Mike Conley. Yeah, and I had uh, center Neil Johnston, power forward Jerry Lucas, small forward Michael Red, shooting guard John Havlicek, and point guard Mike Conley. And we'll be back to uh, discuss our bench in just a moment. Now we're back to uh, continue our discussion of the guys who would populate our all-time Ohio State benches. Yeah. Mills, who do you have first? I had Michael Red, but we already talked about yeah, so let's get to uh, my first man off the bench, and that is uh, Jim Jackson. We already talked, discussed him as well, so let's. Uh, I'll, I'll send it back to you, Mills. 
Yeah, I got um, Evan Turner. All right, let's talk about Evan Turner. He actually didn't make my uh, didn't make my bench at all, but I think he's definitely worthy of consideration. Uh, Mills, what what attracted you to uh, Evan Turner? Still an active player. I just know he's a solid player, and I think he deserves on the bench. Yeah, certainly a versatile player. I mean, uh, you know, six six two twenty, number two overall pick in the uh, twenty ten NBA draft. A guy who can play a bunch of different positions, can uh, defend a few different positions as well. Uh, but a guy, I, I guess, in in my experience, just hasn't moved the needle that much for the teams that he's been on. I mean, uh, I guess kind of uh, not, not a super impactful player. I mean, despite having started a whole bunch of games and not, now played in over 700 in his career, uh, obviously you could do a whole lot worse than uh, being an NBA rotation player for uh, that amount of time. But just hasn't moved the needle that much to me in his uh, NBA career after coming in with – you know, quite a bit of promise. I mean, I think there were people who uh, were really high on Evan Turner, I mean, as evidenced by his uh, draft position. Yeah. Um, yeah, so still still in the league now, as, as you uh, as we were just discussing. I mean, he's on, on the Hawks this uh, this most recent season, but I think, uh, you know, you see a future for him in the NBA going forward? Uh, not really going forward, but. Yeah, certainly an NBA uh, past in his uh, in his history. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think a useful enough player to have uh, coming off the bench. So, he was your uh, seven, your uh, number seven uh, Ohio State player. Yeah. Second man off the bench. I went with Arnie Risen. Well, I actually don't have them in like order of like how good they are. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, your, your second second man off the bench that we're discussing here. Yes. Uh, so I had Arnie Risen as my, uh, my my second man off the bench. This uh, this guy maybe not that well remembered. I mean, played a really long time ago. I mean, started his career back in uh, 1948 and wrapped it up in 1958. Yeah, I have him off my bench too. Yeah, I mean a Hall of Famer. So I mean that certainly speaks to I mean yeah. his his uh, quality. Uh, an NBA champ twice, uh, four time All Star. Guy started his career in the BAA, began uh, with the uh, with with Rochester way back in the day, and uh, moved on to the Celtics where he um, uh, played for the last few years of his career. I know he was uh, instrumental in kind of welcoming uh, Bill Russell into the league in his rookie season upon joining the Celtics. And was uh, you know known for being a really good teammate and uh, really high quality player. A guy who was willing to uh, do what was required for uh, the team to succeed. So uh, I think you know a good fit on any of these squads. And you know similar to uh, some of the other big men that we've talked about, you know kind of that classic uh, big man frame that that worked really well back in those days. Six nine, you know obviously going to be really tall relative to the other, the other guys he's playing with. Two hundred pounds, but uh, had the kind of skill set that. Uh, you know, allowed him to stand out and really make a difference back in those days. Yeah. Um, so my um, third man off the bench, um, Herb Williams. Yeah, Herb Williams. Let's let's talk a little bit about him. I, I remember the uh, tail end of his career with the uh, with the Knicks uh, back in the, uh, in the in the 90s, but really a guy whose career went on for a really long time. Yeah, I still played with the Knicks for seven seasons. Um, one season that was in between, but yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he's a decent player. I mean, I I actually almost had him on my um on my uh, starting five at center, but then I put Neil Johnson on there. Yeah, Neil Johnson's uh, Hall of Fame credentials uh, kind of make him hard to overlook. I I feel like with uh, between Neil Johnson, Jerry Lucas, and uh, Arnie Risen, some pretty incredible. Uh, old-time big men on this uh, yes. side of the state squad. So you, you got to get those guys in there. But uh, I, I agree. Herb Williams, uh, really productive NBA career. I mean, it lasted a really long time. He played over 1,100 regular season games. 
Yeah. Uh, averaged over 10 points per game for his career, too, which kind of surprised me, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I really remember these late years of his career where he was coming off the bench and playing only a little bit. I mean, had a whole bunch of years down the end of his career, really from age 34 on. I mean, never played more than, uh, you know, 13 plus minutes per game in any of the seasons that he yeah. played. And he played till um, age 40. Yeah, exactly. I mean, came into the league at age 23 and played till age 40. So, I mean, really, really long career. In fact, uh, 78th all-time in, uh, in in games and really racked up some of those counting stats. I mean, 33rd all-time in blocks. I mean, that's indicative of the fact that he's a big man averaging uh, 1.5 blocks a game for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely a, a, a good player and, uh, you know, number 14 pick back in the uh, 81 NBA draft and uh, I, I think a, a totally solid fit uh, coming off the bench on this uh, all-time Ohio State team. I, I had him coming off my bench as well. I uh, can get to uh, my uh, third guy off the bench, and that is D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I also have him on my bench. One-time All-Star, All-Rookie team, and this guy's a solid player. Yeah, and still very much in the early uh, or prime of his career, wouldn't you say? Yes, for sure. Only 24 years old right now, obviously just making his way to, uh, I mean, has moved around a bunch in recent years. Yes. Uh, already on to his uh, fourth team, but has uh, been productive in, uh, you know, a number of his stops now. Yes, for sure. Best on the Nets, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Had the most uh, sort of central role on the Nets, but I think, uh, you know, we're going to have to see what he's able to uh, unlock playing more with Carl uh, Anthony Towns on the uh, on the Timberwolves in addition to, you know, whoever they draft or whatever they do with that number one pick that they have coming up. Yeah. Going to be really interesting to see. We've only seen like 12 games of, uh, of you know, him on the Timberwolves so far, so really early days too early to really say where his career is going to go from here, but really promising, I think. I mean, a guy who's like a high, much higher usage player than anyone else who's mm -hmm. uh, in the mix for Ohio State here. So definitely thought he was a good fit off the bench, instant offense kind of guy, if nothing else. Good shooter. Yeah, for sure. And knows how to create his own shot. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the, the fourth guy off your bench. Who'd you have there? Uh, Arnie, well, yeah, Arnie Risen, but. Yeah, we, we discussed him as well, so I'll move on to uh, to Derek Anderson. I know you had him on, on your bench as well. Let's talk a little bit about him. Uh, yeah, um, solid player. I mean, hadn't really looked at him at all until right now, but <laughs> yeah, he's okay. Uh, 13th overall pick in the uh, 97 draft, actually drafted out of Kentucky. He started his career at Ohio State and uh, made the move to, uh, to Kentucky uh, during his college career. A career that was, uh, you know, pr pretty useful. I mean, you know, started a whole bunch of games. I mean, 390 games in the league out of uh, 615 total. A career marred by injuries. I mean, especially as he got into his 30s. I mean, really, you know, didn't play that consistently uh, after, you know, age uh, 28 or so. Yeah, he did win a title. Yeah, won a title late in his career. I mean, not a very impactful player, but was, uh, I mean, uh, on that uh, 2006 uh, Miami Heat team, but did win a ring absolutely with uh, with, with that squad, and uh, you know had a solid NBA career. I mean, you know we we looked at enough of these college teams at this point that uh, a player of this quality who lasted for this long in the NBA would have uh, stood out a lot more on a lot of other college squads. So uh, I think you know certainly a worthy bench player if if nothing else on, on, yes. on this team. Um, so yeah, I had. Uh, I had him on my squad at uh, as my fourth guy off the bench, made an all-rookie team. Um, who do you have uh, after that? 
I had D'Angelo Russell, but we already talked about him. We we did discuss him. I had Herb Williams up next, so let's uh, move on to your uh, your sixth man off the bench. I had Tony Campbell. Yeah, let's get into uh, Tony Campbell a little bit. I actually didn't have him on my uh, on my squad, but what you what stood out to you about uh, Tony Campbell? Well, this goes back to the first episode. I was arguing this by points and or I mean by minutes played, and he was um, higher. He was pretty high. On, I mean by points actually. And he was pretty high on the list. So I looked at him. I saw that he averaged 20 points a game two years in a row. And saw that he was a solid player. So I put him on my thing. Yeah, that, that I mean, it definitely makes some sense. I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at 47 players who have uh, made their way to the NBA, graduates from, uh, or uh, people who have attended Ohio State, I should say. And, uh, you know, you gotta you got to sift through uh, all these guys. I mean, you got to, you know, see who uh, rises to the top when you sort them by uh, various criteria. Tony Campbell, as you mentioned. Scored over 20 points per game, over 21 points per game, in fact, uh, in two seasons. That's so uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty high high for uh, for an NBA player. Those uh, those were Minnesota teams, uh, early days of Minnesota basketball. Uh, not very good teams, but uh, definitely was capable of uh, of scoring when he was when he had that kind of volume. I mean, look at how many shots per game he was taking in those seasons relative to the rest of his career. Really outliers. I mean, over 19 uh, field goal attempts per game during those seasons, uh, versus uh, you know, in single digits for just about every other season of his career outside of his Minnesota days. But uh, at the tail end of, uh, of the bench on this squad, a fine fit, I think. Yeah. So um, who do you have here? Also, uh, technically won a title at least with the uh, the Lakers in uh, 87, 88. Um, also like his uh, nickname, uh, Top Cat. Uh, TC, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so I, I also had um, Larry Siegfried coming off my bench. Larry Siegfried, a member of the uh, Boston Celtics, a five-time NBA titleist back in the uh, 1960s. Do you take a look at uh, Larry Siegfried? Uh, not really. Yeah, I think a really good shooter. I mean, you know, just trying to piece together what you can about uh, these uh, Celtics players from back in the day. Uh, watched some video of him. Could really uh, get to the basket. Could really shoot. I mean, his uh, uh, free throw percentage as, as an indicator of, uh, of his shooting quality, up over eighty-five percent for his career. Um, on those Celtics teams, uh, back in, I mean, you know, averaging uh, up in the uh, low teens, uh, you know, twelve points per game, and uh, playing a whole lot. I mean, playing uh, you know upwards of, of twenty-five minutes a game during the, during that period too. Mm-hmm. So definitely a useful contributor on those uh, championship-winning Celtics teams after being drafted uh, third overall in the uh, 1961 NBA draft. Um, and you had uh, Derek Anderson as your uh, your last man off the bench. I, I wanted to also mention uh, Clark Kellogg. I don't know if you uh, looked into this guy at all, but uh, you certainly heard his voice on some video games. Oh, that's where I knew that from. <laughs> yeah, he was a member of the 82-83 uh, all-rookie team and really came into the league like a house of fire. I mean, no, known as a special K. Um, so he does the um, uh, announcing on video games. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a video game announcer for uh, quite some time. Actually one of the uh, lead basketball analysts on uh, March madness, NCAA uh, coverage for uh, quite a few years now. And um, yeah, as I was saying, I mean, came into the league really, really strong. I mean, drafted, uh, you know, number eight overall back in uh, 1982 20 points per game, uh, 10 uh, rebounds per game in his first season. So that's pretty good. Uh, he didn't even win Rookie of the Year. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, like, he, who are the rookies that year? Yeah, so uh, uh, we'll have to uh, have to look into that. Definitely uh, leaving us with uh, with a question to answer. Um, rookie of the year that year was Terry Cummings. So I mean, a, a really impressive year for uh, for rookies. But uh, Clark Kellogg, unfortunately, uh, injuries marred what you know would have what was a really exciting start to uh, to his career. I mean. You know, obviously averaged 20 points per game, as I mentioned, that first season, but really had, had a really strong first four seasons of his uh, career or three yeah. three and change before uh, suffering an injury, which wiped out an entire season in 1986-87 uh, before uh, he unfortunately had to end his playing career. And the next season, and he only played four games. Yeah, so, I mean, de- definitely unfortunate to have his career end so early, but obviously has continued to make contributions to basketball in the manner that we just uh, suggested. I had him on this squad because, I mean, you know, you look at his uh, – his production for while he was on the court, despite only playing 260 NBA games, this guy was really good. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely didn't realize what a strong player he was. I mean, I, knowing him mostly as an analyst uh, until uh, digging in and uh, learning a bit more about him in the course of uh, doing this research. Yeah, so I know you wanted to talk about a couple more players. Yeah, so just a couple more guys I wanted to uh, mention. We, we referenced him early in the episode, but uh, earlier in the episode, but uh, Greg Oden. Yeah, huge bust. Yeah, really uh, unfortunate. I mean, uh, part of that 2007 draft class that featured Mike Conley as well, which we discussed before. Uh, yeah, so what, what are your uh, – I mean, you know it was a huge bust. I mean, any, anything else that you, you've been able to pick up about Greg Oden over uh, your time looking into basketball? No. He, I mean, he looked really good in college. I mean, I think there were, there were concerns about his body even uh, before the draft, but I think – you know, pretty, I mean, you know, most people, I think, were, were on board with him going number one overall ahead of Kevin Durant. wasn't totally clear how well Kevin Durant's game would translate to the NBA, and it was thought that uh, he really needed a dominant center or that that was uh, a, a way to get a real leg up on the competition as uh, as, as a franchise. And, uh, you know, one of these, uh, you know, part of the history of Blazers draft picks that really just have not worked out. Very unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, I just you know, I can just imagine how uh, NBA history would have been different. What if they picked Jort? Yeah, there, there have been, been, been a few misses with the uh, with the Blazers over the years. Yeah, and uh, they, these are probably the most painful ones of all. Uh, definitely, you know, had had some moments there with the Blazers early in his career. I mean, I remember being really excited about watching him play for the first time in the NBA. After you know, we, I mean, we all watched him in college. I mean, he was on a very prominent Ohio State team, and. Uh, you know, you could you could see what what everyone was so excited about. I mean, a really impressive defensive force, and and you could imagine how that would translate. I mean, a really high percentage shooter as well. I mean, even for his for his career. I mean, when yeah. he was out there, fifty seven percent shooter. So I mean, you know, I mean, he was he was efficient for sure, but uh, just did not play. I mean, that's yeah. what it came down to. Uh, body did not hold up on him. Uh, also wanted to mention uh, Lawrence Funderburk. I know you, you pointed him out to me as, uh, as someone who attended Ohio State in addition to Indiana. Uh, what were any any comments on uh, Lawrence Funderburk, a Columbus, Ohio native? Well, I know you, um, and I really like his name. So I do. I'm really attracted to his name since uh, he entered the league back in uh, 1997. Hung around in uh, various capacities as a bench player, role player until uh, 2005. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to. Uh, our guy Lawrence Funderburg. Also wanted to mention, uh, I mean, before we uh, wrap this up, uh, Don Great. Now, uh, this guy, in some respects, he was great. Cool. 
<laughs> Don Gray, one of uh, one of one of these guys who just got a little cup of coffee in the uh, in the NBA. But uh, you know, you got you got to admit it's a pretty great name. One for one from one. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this episode up. Let's uh, just go over our, our our benches one more time, and uh, we can uh, we can check yeah. out here. So coming off the bench, I had Michael Reed, Evan Turner, Michael Red, Michael Red, Evan Turner, Herb Williams, Arnie Risen, D'Angelo Russell, Tony Campbell, and Derek Anderson. And I had uh, Jim Jackson, Arnie Risen, D'Angelo Russell, Derek Anderson, Herb Williams, Larry Siegfried, and Clark Kellogg. Uh, so. Thanks so much for uh, for listening, and we'll be uh, we'll be back in just a couple of days. Yeah, uh, if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you got your podcast. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere now. You can uh, find us on uh, whatever po- whatever uh, podcast platform you use. We very much appreciate ratings and reviews, as Emilio mentioned. And you can uh, contact us via email at uh, Barnards on the NBA at gmail.com or on Twitter at Barnards on NBA. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Bye.